Hey, oh, <laughs> I have to add myself to the stream. Hey, everyone. Uh, it's David Barnett here from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, now Amazon podcast, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses. Um, yeah, I'm playing with StreamYard, and tonight I'm broadcasting on three different platforms, uh, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. So, you know, why am I, why am I doing this? Well, it's, it's because I've got uh, Christmas coming up around the corner. And uh, if, for those of you who've been following my channel for a while, you know, last year I did a Christmas Eve special. Uh, it was a lot of fun. This year, uh, I want to do a Christmas Eve special again. And I've actually already started putting together a list and sending out invites to people who have been on the show and friends of uh, the show from the past year to see who's going to be able to come to the, the live event uh, for Christmas Eve. And, you know, with with all the travel restrictions and limitations for a lot of people due to the pandemic, I think a lot more people are going to be unable to travel for the holidays. And so there could be some people who might normally be going home for the holidays who might be stuck maybe alone. And so, you know, I want to, I want to create a little bit of stuff for, for people to be able to, uh, to absorb and take in. That's a little bit fun uh, over the holidays. So <clears throat> I made a list here though, of things that I'd like to talk with you guys about. Um, so number one, Christmas Eve special is going to be coming along again this year on, on Christmas Eve. Look for that December 24th. Um, YouTube has created a new, um, advertising policy. So as you may realize, my YouTube channel is not monetized, meaning that there are not ads that pop up. Um, YouTube has just created a brand new, <coughs> excuse me, change to their ad policy where, they are now going to be showing ads in videos of channels that are not monetized. So there's something called the, there's just a user of YouTube, which I am right now. And then there's something called the partner program where you get to participate and share in the revenue from advertising. And I've never participated in that, um, mostly because uh, when I watch stuff on YouTube, it really annoys me to have to skip through commercials all the time. And so I've never wanted to put you guys through that. But what I'm curious to know is, are you guys seeing any ads on my videos? And so um, I know that uh, a lot of you out there, you know, you follow me on different platforms, but um, if you see an ad on my, one of my videos, I would really appreciate if you could just send me a quick note or put a comment in the video or what have you, and just tell me, Dave, I saw a commercial for, because I'm curious to know what kind of stuff is going to play if in fact they do start putting things on my channel. Now, if I join the partner program, I have a certain degree of control over what kind of ads I can forbid from being on the videos. So it's going to um, depend on what kind of stuff is showing up. So if one out of you know 25 people view my videos and see an ad for a car or something, that's not really gonna concern me, but there are other things that I do not want to be advertised on my channel. Hey, JW, how you doing? JW says that uh, he pays for YouTube premium so he doesn't have to watch ads. See, there you go. There's another way around it for sure. Um, and thanks for thanks for giving me the chance to practice my, my uh, StreamYard skills. Um, another thing I'd like to mention to you guys is about hitting the like button or the thumbs up button. Um, it makes a big impact. So, um, 
a couple of weeks ago, I put out a video about the three common traits of failing entrepreneurs. And in the video, I asked people to click the like button. And I think I had almost 100 people so far click the like button. And then last week, I had my interview with Rocky Lalvani, the profit first guy, uh, where I didn't ask people to hit the like button. And I got a significantly fewer number of likes. It, it really actually helps the algorithm work so that the videos get to be shown to more people if people click the like button. Making comments also works to help that as well. Um, speaking of videos, let me tell you about some of the stuff that I've got uh, plan. Oh, sorry. Uh, before that, though, holiday chat. So for those of you guys who are on the email list or who've been following my channel for a while, you know that um, I, I do this special for one-on-one -on -one live consultations, hour-long calls for $69, which is significantly lower than my regular uh, consulting rate. The catch is, is that the recording of the call ends up on the YouTube channel or on the SoundCloud feed. And what I do every year is I, I, I've already started recording them for 2020. Uh, there are 12 spots available. Six of them have already been sold. So if you're interested, down in the show notes, there is a link. You pay the $69 and it'll give you a Calendly link and you can then schedule the recording of your call. And what I do is, is over the holidays, the people that are on my email list every day for the 12 days of Christmas, you know, usually starting on Christmas Day for 12 days, so it carries us through to New Year's, um, I release one, one of these videos or audios to the people on the list but if you're not on my email list, then you have to wait until next summer. Because what I usually do is I release them on Fridays and Sundays over the course of the summer. Again, when people are doing vacations and road trips and everything to give people more stuff to listen to. This past year, I released them over the main lockdown back in April and May um, when people, a lot of people were stuck at home. But if you're interested in doing one of those holiday chats, find the link down below. There are six spots left. Now to the videos. Tomorrow, um, no, sorry, Wednesday, um, I've gotten several questions on YouTube comments and uh, from viewers just asking me about book recommendations. So I do have a reading list put together. Um, and on Wednesday, what I'm going to do is I've made a little video where I've talked through uh, some of the books on the reading list and just given people little insights into what these different books are. And maybe there's something on there that you want to put on your Christmas list for Santa. Um, so I'm going to release it now in the spirit of, you know, Black Friday and everything. Um, but earlier today, and you can verify this because I'm wearing the same shirt as I was earlier today. Um, I had a really great interview because people have been asking for more content about lower mid-market businesses. And I was lucky enough in the normal course of my business to meet a gentleman who used to be an analyst um, for TorQuest Capital in Toronto, which is a private equity firm that has about $1.4 billion in its fund. And they've made investments in a lot of different companies, kind of in the, you know, definitely in the mid-market, you know, companies with purchase price of 10 to $70 million. And so Sam has started a new business, which we talk about in the video, but we talked a little bit about his experience in the private equity firm and what they look for in deals and, and how they manage the, the different funds within the firm that the investors um, can put their money into and how they kind of succeed over time. And, um, and got into some discussion about um, all kinds of stuff to do with private equity and mid-market businesses. So 
Uh, you can look for that one between now and Christmas. It'll be coming up soon. Um, and then lastly, um, you know, for people who've been watching some of my videos, I've, I've talked quite a lot about uh, the COVID situation here where I live. And just that here in Atlantic Canada, the four Atlantic provinces have been able to create this sort of isolated bubble. Uh, well, today the bubble burst. Um, over the last week, we've had outbreaks of COVID here where I live in Moncton and in St. John, which is about an hour and a half away. And today we found out that uh, the people in Prince Edward Island and Newfoundland no longer want us to, to visit without isolating. So, uh, you know, my liberty has been kind of reduced there as far as travel. Um, <clears throat> but what's interesting is that there have been a bunch of news conferences that are up on YouTube, which I've, I've been watching. Um, and, and for any of you who are curious, if you really want to know what I think about the whole COVID thing, I would recommend that you watch the interview I did with, um, with Jeffrey Tucker, uh, author of Lockdown and Liberty. And I put the link to that down in the show notes. Um, but here's what's happening. And I find this very interesting because Toronto has just gone into a three or four week total lockdown. They've basically gone back to red zone. And they're allowing essential businesses to be open, which are the hardware stores, the grocery stores, Walmart, et cetera. Um, but they are um, making all the small businesses close. And I find it really interesting because <clears throat> here where I live in New Brunswick, what the premier is saying, uh, and he said many times that number one, the total lockdown we had earlier this year was a mistake. Um, and that if he at all possible, he was not gonna do that again. And so we went into orange about a month ago for a two week period because there was a small outbreak, you know, a dozen cases or two dozen cases or so, but it got controlled very quickly. And in that orange phase um, period, the barbers had to close and certain personal services had to close like massage therapy and things like that. Um, and the movie theaters had to close. This time when we went into orange, which started on Friday, um, the movie theaters are allowed to still be open. The barbers are allowed to still be open. The massage therapists are allowed to continue. And there was a very interesting little bit of dialogue in the press conferences. The premier explained that because we have been stamping out these outbreaks through contact tracing, um, the people in the government who are doing these contract tracing jobs have figured out when and where COVID spreads. And, and what he's saying is that COVID doesn't spread in workplaces generally, because when people are on the clock, when they're doing their job, they've been instructed, this is how you do your job. You know, you, you keep this clean, you wear your mask or a face shield, you stay behind the plexiglass or what have you. And so that's not where COVID is spreading. It's not where people are working and following all these rules. It's in the break room when three or four employees are huddled together, relaxing and they're not following those rules. Or it's um, you know when people are socializing on the weekend and they're getting together with their friends and they're not following the rules, they're not staying apart, that's where COVID is spreading. So what he said in his press conference is, we're gonna try to keep as many of these businesses open as possible, key point, so that people can support themselves, right? So that the economy can function. And so what, what happened instead of closing businesses is we are have now been reduced to a one household bubble. So even if we go out to eat in restaurants, um, we can't meet our friends there. It's you've got to just stay with the people in your household. And hopefully this will get the spread, you know, under control. 
If it were up to me, we'd be managing the pandemic in a very different way that you would see from that interview with Jeffrey Tucker. Um, but I don't make the rules and I have to live with the rules that are that are created. And so, you know, over the weekend, Sunday dinner with my dad and sister had to be canceled and my son's basketball had to be canceled. But, you know, practice is back on this week. They can't have games in the orange zone, but they can do practices. Um, hey, Hermosa, Hermosa Beach Joe. Uh, I see there's a question here. Let me pop that up on the screen. Hey, David, hope you're doing well. I have a question. How do some entrepreneurs manage to get acquire, manage to get acquired businesses in different industries without having knowledge in them? How are they successful? Um, well, that's a great question here. Um, so as long as a business is big enough, um, you don't really have to be an expert in what is happening on the shop floor or on the front lines of the business because you're going to have employees. And if it's big enough, you're also going to have supervisors and other managers that know the business. And what's important is knowing business period. And so a lot of the times people will have a certain set of business skills that can transfer quite readily to owning another kind of business because there might be similarities. So, um, for example, one of the things that I've seen before uh, is someone in one construction trade getting involved in another business in a different construction trade. So, you know, the roofer ends up buying a foundation company, for example, um, and he's already got relationships with general contractors. It's all project management type work, you know, logistics and timing of when equipment arrives, when things are done, when jobs are wrapped up, the weather affects them, etc. And it's, it's actually quite apropos because if I go back to that conversation I had today with Sam um, Ambo, um, who used to work in the private equity firm, um, those guys buy a wide array, array of businesses that they don't particularly know how to manage. They just buy businesses that are big enough that they either have a management team in place or that there's enough cash flow there that the private equity firm can hire um, someone who's gonna run that business for them. And then we actually talked a little bit in the in the call about the level of interaction on a regular basis that the private equity firm might have with the management, um, which of course is based on you know how well they're doing. If if management are hitting their targets, hitting their goals, achieving their revenue and profit numbers, then the owners, the private equity group, are probably you know not going to spend too much time there. If there are problems, then the ownership is going to become more aware. Same thing can happen in a privately owned company where the owner isn't present every day. If you've got systems in place to observe what's going on, to manage and keep track of what we call key performance indicators, then that absentee owner is able to make sure the things are being handled properly. So I hope that, I hope that answers your question. Um, this is kind of fun, uh, but I've gone through my list of things. And so I'm going to wind it up and uh, I'll remind everyone, if you haven't already, uh, hit the like button, please, and head on over to davidcbarnett.com where you can sign up for my email list. Um, you get to choose which topics you're interested in, but people on the email list are always the first to hear about everything. The first to hear about holiday chat. Those guys took the first four spots. Um, the first, you know, to listen to the holiday chats over the holidays, the, it goes to the email people first. And from time to time, I do promotions and specials. And hey, thanks, Joe. This I really, I, I really like this Streamyard thing. A friend of mine who who has a, a podcast, he does it too. 
So uh, I figured I would try it out, especially for this year coming. Um, I got another one here. Cheeky Cheeky. Hi, David. I do enjoy your videos and all the business buying gold you deliver. Question regarding owner finance or seller note on a hotel in the COVID era. I'm in Ontario. Well, you know, here's the deal. Um, hospitality is a challenge. And I don't know how long it's going to be before people start to travel like they used to. Um, you know, a lot of business now is being done virtually. I feel like there's a pent up demand. Personally, know some people who used to travel a lot for business who aren't anymore, who are telling me that they're chomping at the bit to get on a plane and go somewhere. Uh, but with things like quarantine restrictions, it's just not, not a viable thing. Um, in Business Buyer Advantage, there is a module about buying a business in a recession. And in that module, I talk about how um, if a business was once performing well and now is not, the seller is still going to want the old price. But often you can't cash flow that old price. So even with a seller note for a hotel, um, if you don't have the revenue to make the payments, you're stuck, right? You can't do it. So the seller note is going to have to have some kind of um, some kind of uh, uh, adjustments or tools in it that control when the money crosses the table. So an example might be, you know, yeah, I owe you this extra money, but I only have to make payments once the monthly revenue hits a certain threshold. There was a deal done on a restaurant uh, near me that I, I heard the story of how the deal went down. And in that deal, there's a seller note, which is basically waiting for 36 months and is only payable if there are three consecutive months in the next three years that meet or beat the monthly sales results from 2019. So in 2022, if their March, April, May numbers exceed the March, April, May results of 2019, then the note's payable. If the business never recovers to the 2019 level, then it never gets paid. And so it's tying um, future performance into the purchase price. So even though we can say this is the purchase price, part of that price will never be paid if the business never comes back. It's, it's a risky, dangerous time for buying that kind of business. Anyone in the hospitality industry, caterers, you know, banquet halls, uh, hotels, et cetera. Um, I was talking with someone who's down in New York who told me that there's a bunch of hotels for sale there now. Problem being, even if you get a good deal on it, you're faced with financing losses until this whole problem comes to an end. So, you know, if you happen to be, you know, super wealthy with, you know, millions and millions of dollars, you might be able to get a good deal right now, but then you're just putting yourself in the seller's position of having those losses as you operate waiting for a turnaround. So it's, it's not desirable. And as this thing drags out longer and longer, what I can foresee is that certain players in the hospitality industry are going to start facing insolvencies. You're going to end up with, you know, bankruptcies or foreclosures. And then you're going to see what the price of these things really is. Because uh, the last person on earth who wants to run a hotel is a banker. Anyway, thanks, guys. Uh, new video out on Wednesday. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers.